0: Thank you for listening to the FBH Podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. Well, good morning, church. If you're new with us, my name is Peter Anderson. I'm the senior pastor here at First Baptist Hanford, and we're so grateful you decided to join us for our online Easter service. If you're anything like me, Easter feels very nostalgic. I remember when I was growing up, Easter meant I got to spend as much time with my family as I wanted to spend. Actually, there's a great picture of me when I'm one years old. Uh, At that point, I had no neck. I was eating real well. And my family couldn't actually fit a tie around my neck. So because of that, they just put me in a white shirt and buttoned all the way up. I was dressed to the nines. All I know is from that point forward, every single year of my life I have spent at church. When I was younger, Easter meant that I got to spend time with family all day. I looked forward to Easter because I love spending time with my cousins. I love getting together with my aunts and uncles, my grandma and my grandpa, spending time with my brother. All of those things were incredibly exciting. So we would wake up and the Easter bunny would have come and we had our Easter baskets sitting on the fireplace that were filled with animals that were stuffed and chocolate that was hollow. And so after we got through the excitement of, of opening our Easter baskets, then we would start getting ready for church. and. Uh, we would get ready for church and head to grandma and grandpa's and pick up grandma and grandpa or simply meet them there and so we would do the church thing which was always exciting but then after church that's when easter started for me when i was younger because we would always go to a place called the merced river park and at the merced river park it was it was everything you could dream of it kind of looks like where we're shooting today so there's open land for us to be able to run and play i remember when we're, our, our Easter baskets had kites in them, that we would take our kites and be able to fly them. I remember one time that I couldn't see my kite, it was so far away, and we got bored with that. We would go over, the adults had been barbecuing all day, so we would have barbecue, we would look for Easter eggs, and then eventually we would always end the day by going down to the riverbed and looking for tadpoles, which inevitably we would catch, and then beg our parents to let us take them home. They would say no, and then we would put them back. But Easter was special to me because I got to spend time with my family. And so I think that's probably true for a lot of you today as well, is Easter is important. Easter feels nostalgic because you get to spend time with your family. And that's incredibly important. I think that's a a big part of Easter and our celebration is getting together. But from our point of view, from the church's point of view, the celebration of Easter is the celebration of the very existence of Christianity. What I mean by that is apart from Easter, apart from the resurrection of Christ, everything we believe to be true about Christianity is a lie. If Jesus didn't conquer death three days later and raised from the dead, then the belief system of billions of people around the world is all for naught. The very information that we have that helped shape so much of the history of the world regarding Jesus Is a complete and total fabrication if it's not for the empty tomb that's why this is such a big deal this is why this is such a huge celebration that three days after jesus went to the cross and died he raised from the dead and the tomb was completely and totally empty it's interesting though as we celebrate the resurrection of christ one of the main questions that we tend to get about jesus about the gospel message is well why did he have to die in the first place if he didn't have to die, there's no resurrection. There's, why couldn't God just find some other way for him to save humanity forever? The entire Bible hinges on Jesus going to the cross. The entire gospel message, everything that we know about Jesus points to not just the necessity of him conquering death, but the necessity of him dying in the first place. There's passages all over scripture that talk about this. It actually all goes all the way back to Genesis chapter three. Genesis is the first book of the Bible and the first two chapters we get a glimpse into how God created the heavens and the earth and the culmination of God creating man and woman in his image and him saying, it is very good. And then in Genesis chapter three, a change enters in. Something that, that, that is going to change the trajectory of humanity forever. See, what happens is Adam and Eve are tempted by Satan. And the very thing that God told Adam and Eve not to do, the only thing he told Adam and Eve not to do, they went and did. And so from that point forward, sin had entered into the world. And once sin entered into the world, every single time somebody sinned from that point forward, a blood atonement, some sort of sacrifice was needed to get people back in right standing with God. Jesus is that for all of us forever now. We see that written in Romans chapter three. This is what it says. Romans 3, 22 to 26 says this, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith He did this to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. There are a couple key phrases in that passage, the biggest one being, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter the family that you came from, doesn't matter how nice you are, it doesn't matter how philanthropic you are, is that all of us, regardless of how good we are on this earth, will never be able to get to heaven on our own accord, it's impossible. So because of the fact that sin is in the way for us being able to be with God forever, some sort of atonement, some sort of blood sacrifice has to be given to be able to make up for that sin. Because what we need to remember is, even though our God is holy and our God is perfect and our God is loving, our God is also just. Romans 6.23 tells us, for the wages of sin is death. That means that we all deserve death. And so God saw that in order for us to be with him forever, there had to be some sort of blood shedding, some sort of sacrifice given to make us holy and righteous again. And so what we saw in the Old Testament was animal sacrifice. So anytime a person sinned, depending on the sin, they would have to sacrifice a specific type of animal, a specific type of way. Well, of course, God knew that this was never going to be good enough for us to be able to enter into heaven. So he saw that, hey, I'm gonna send my son to be a sacrifice for sin for all of humanity forever. 1 John 2 2, tells us, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So we need to understand that sin corrupted God's perfect creation. When God created, the plan all along was to have this perfect, mutual, loving relationship between God and man. But when sin entered in, it broke everything. And so the first instance that we see of God trying to show people a path back to him is this creation of the law, largely we see in Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Part of the law is the the 10 commandments. And these are about 613 different laws actually that told the Israelites how to live these holy, just lives. Lives that were going to make them honor God and be closer with God. But like I said before, ultimately all of this failed. None of this was enough to redeem mankind forever. So what we need to understand though is sin isn't just an act of rebellion. Sin actually impacts every part of our being from our hearts and our minds to our souls. There's this distortion, this brokenness of God's image that he created in us. And so the only way to be able to get that back is either get our punishment, which is death, or have somebody go on our behalf to die for us. That's the only way for us to become righteous again. So our rebellion against God, our sin against God had to be paid for. The beauty of the gospel is that even while our sin demands justice, our sin demands somebody's death, somebody's blood, some sort of atonement, it didn't necessarily have to be ours. Which is why Jesus, the savior of the world, willingly stepped in on our behalf to take care of it. So while the wages of sin is still death, Jesus conquered that death for us so for us, we can have eternal life forever. So when Jesus sacrificed himself for our sin, God took care of all of it. All of those transgressions, everything were completely and totally wiped clean. Jesus was willing to take that sacrifice on himself. It's one of the reasons that people love Jesus. While maybe they still have a problem with institutional Christianity is because Christ actually showed the love that we're supposed to have for one another in the sacrifice that he gave of himself. He showed humanity how to love and how to love perfectly by saying, even though I am perfect, even though I am God, even though I am set apart and all of you deserve death because of your sin, I am still willing to step in on your behalf and take it for you. In John's account of the Last Supper, Jesus issued his disciples a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So in short, what Jesus is exemplifying here is the type of love that we should have for one another. But the interesting thing is, is he said these words before he showed us the greatest greatest love of all, which was his sacrifice on the cross for us. So what does this mean for us then? What does this mean for us today on this Easter? Because as we get together in our pastel shirts, as we get together and and hide Easter eggs and find Easter eggs and eat too much chocolate and probably have ham at some point, what does that mean for us? So my guess is today, then you fall into one of two different camps. Either you've grown up in church or you came to faith at some point in your life. Maybe it was during a camp or a VBS. Maybe it was you're like me and you accepted Christ when you were eight years old laying in your bed. I don't know where you are at, but but you have some sort of working understanding of sin and redemption and Christ's blood on the cross and him conquering death. That's great. I think there's another category of you though that maybe you have never said yes to Jesus. Maybe you've never understood this reason for Christ's death and the sin that has entered into our lives and because of that we need his death on the cross and his conquering the death, maybe that's you today. Regardless of the camp that you fall in, it doesn't it doesn't change the facts of this story. It doesn't change the truth of the gospel and what Jesus came and did for each and every one of us. So if you fall into camp one and you've been a Christian for a long time or maybe you just said yes to Christ earlier this year, I don't know where you're at. But if that's you, We need to understand what it was that Christ did on the cross for us and our lives ultimately should be lived in such a way that people would know that we are Christians because of our love, because of the way that we treat other people, because of the way that we treat the church body, because of the genuine love that we have for people. If that's not true, if that's not apparent in your life, even though that you have said yes to Jesus, my guess is you probably have some work to do this Easter. And maybe you fall into that second camp, that camp where, You haven't yet made a profession of faith and maybe this Easter is the time to do it. If that's you, either way, why don't you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, we're grateful for your son. We're grateful for the gospel. We're even grateful for his death, as strange as that sounds, but because of that death, we are able to be with you forever. And so regardless of which category we fall into today, maybe we've been a Christian for the last 50 years, maybe we have yet to say yes to you, I just pray that you would draw us closer today. Use Easter, use this gospel to draw people in. And if, if you've never said yes to Jesus before, or maybe you need to say yes again, I don't know, but you can simply follow along with me, pray in the quietness of your heart, say, Father, A, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I recognize that the wages of sin is death. But B, I believe that you sent your son to die on a cross for me. And then ultimately he conquered that, rose again today on Easter Sunday. And now I pray that C, I would choose to follow him every single day of my life. Thank you for the gospel. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.